section seventy one of the inheritance by susan edmonston ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume two chapter thirty seven these indian wives are loving fools and may do well to keep company with the areas and porsches of old rome dryden but the carriage door being opened there stepped out major waddell having upon his back a vast military cloak with all its various appliances of tags and jags and flags and waving capes and scarlet linings and shining brooch etc 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 the major having placed himself on one side of the carriage door black caesar in no less gorgeous array stationed himself at the other and then after a little feminine delay there came forth mrs major waddell in all her bravery a rich and voluminous satin mantle enveloped her person a rare and costly lace veil streamed like a meteor to the wind muff bonnet feathers boots reticule all were in perfect keeping and mrs major waddell from the crown of the head to the sole of the foot might have stood for the frontispiece of la belle ensemble placing a hand upon each of her supporters she descended the steps of the carriage with much deliberate dignity and then as if oppressed with the weight of her own magnificence she gave her muff to caesar while the major gallantly seized her reticule and assisted her to ascend the flight of steps where stood the countess provoked at herself for her precipitation in having so unwarily rushed out to receive this unexpected importation well cousin this is really kind exclaimed mrs major but you see what it is to be without a lord and master here is mine would be in perfect agonies if i were to stand for a single moment outside the door without my bonnet you ought to tell lady rossville at the same time who it was tied to double neckcloths round my throat yesterday when but lady rossville could not listen to the major's playful recrimination and she interrupted him by saying with a somewhat stately air i imagined it was my aunt mary who had arrived and knowing how helpless she is i hastened out to see that she was properly attended to but my friends are all welcome added she with her usual sweetness of manner and she led the way to the saloon mrs waddell was apprised to lady betty and miss pratt who were both fond of seeing fine-dressed people and mrs waddell had so much to look at and her things were all so new and so rich and so fashionable and india muslin and india shawls and india chains and lace and trinkets were heaped upon her with such an unsparing hand that it was quite a feast to sit and scan each article individually miss pratt even went farther and anticipated at the least half a piece of sprigged india muslin to herself the same as mrs waddell's gown which she forthwith began to admire with all her might moreover she intended to ingratiate herself so far as to obtain a footing in the house for as she reasoned with herself there was nobody knew good living better than your nabobs they were commonly squeamish and bilious and needed a nice bit and at any rate one might depend upon genuine malagatani and madeira at their tables and to a used stomach these were great restoratives for a fortnight or so now and then 
miss pratt thereupon began to do the honours with even more than her usual activity she made a point of taking off mrs waddell's mantle with her own hands commenting upon its beauty as she did so she insisted upon her using a footstool and having two additional squab cushions to lean upon and pressed a cup of chocolate in a manner not to be withstood she was obliged to give back a little however when mrs st clair came sweeping in with her usual authoritative air and welcomed her relations with a patronizing grandeur of deportment that sunk miss pratt's nimble civilities into nothing mrs st clair was vulgar enough to feel gratified by the appearance made by her niece her equipage was handsome her dress fashionable and expensive she herself very pretty the major's rank was respectable his connections were good and though they were both fools yet a fool in satin was a very different thing from a fool in sackcloth and was treated accordingly she therefore began i observe your carriage has not been put up isabella surely major waddell and you have not come so far to pay us a mere morning visit gertrude you must endeavour to persuade your cousins the best of all persuasions said miss pratt is to order the horses to be put up that's a sure argument is it not major let me pull the bell lady rossville why to tell you the truth the major and i had agreed before we set out that if we found you living quietly here and no company we would have no objection to spend a day or two with you en famille but as i go nowhere at present it must be upon condition that i remain quite incog mrs st clair already repented of her invitation and gertrude could only say we are quite a family party in that case then major i think we must remain where we are you had better speak to robert yourself about the horses and tell caesar to see that everything is taken out of the carriage as we were quite uncertain of remaining i didn't think of bringing my own maid with me and major i think i must have left my vinaigrette in one of the pockets of the carriage when one travels in their own carriage they are so apt to litter it you know and leave things lying about that really mine is almost like my dressing-room a very handsome carriage it is said miss pratt as it wheeled past the windows very plain but the major and i are both partial to everything plain this plainness consisted in a bright blue body with large scarlet arms bearing the black and waddell quarterings mantle crest cipher coop gules and all appliances to boot by the by i hear strange things of my poor uncle said mrs major when the carriage was out of sight i am told cousin you found him all but dead in his own house and had him carried away in a fit the major and i were from home at the time we were on a visit at lord fairacre's and heard nothing of it till two days ago that we returned or i should certainly have made a point of seeing after him poor man he is not confined to bed i hope does he know we are here i wonder i shall let him know myself said lady rossville who instantly conjectured that if uncle adam came unwarily to the knowledge of the major and lady being under the same roof with himself stone and lime could scarcely contain him she therefore glad at the same time of an excuse for leaving her company hastened to the yellow turret she tapped several times at the door but received no answer she listened all was silent she slowly opened the door no notice was taken she looked in and there sat uncle adam with spectacles on nose so intent upon a book that all his senses seemed to be completely lapped in its pages gertrude coughed but in vain she spoke but it was to the walls she went close up to him but he saw her not at length she ventured to lay her hand on his shoulder and guy mannering dropped upon the floor you seem to be much interested in your studies said lady rossville as she stooped to pick it up for him mr ramsay purpled with shame as he tried to affect a tone of indifference and said 
oh i hem it's just a ween idle havers there that i just hem they marn hey little to do that tack up their heads writing sick nonsense i never heard the author accused of idleness before said lady rossville with a smile and no one need be ashamed to own the interest excited by these wonderful works of genius interests who folk may hay other things to interest them i think in this world i wonder if there is only yot truth i cannot think how a man could sit down to contrive that i dinna midstoot that scoundrel glossinata i would a gie a thousand pound out of my pocket to see that rascal hanged if hanging wasna our good for him well you may be at ease on that head as even worse befalls him said lady rossville well i rejoice at that for if that scoundrel had gotten leave to keep that property by my troth i believe i would have burnt the book then ashamed of his ardour in such a cause he added in a peevish tone but it's a nonsense the gither and i'm no gone to fash my head ony mar about it lady rossville not announced the arrival of the waddells in the most conciliating manner she could but in any way it was an event to rouse all uncle adam's angry feelings though for some minutes he said nothing but merely walked round and round the turret rubbing his forehead as if at a loss how to proceed at last he stopped and said i can weel enough what's brought them here that creature though she is a fool has the cunning o old nick himself but you may just tell her frae me she'll mak nothing o me she shall ne'er see a bobby o mine you may just tell her that gertrude here attempted a sort of vindication of her cousin from such debasing suspicions but she was cut short with weel if ye winna tell her i'll tell her mysel i'm no gone to be hunted up and down in and out that i cannot turn myself but maister and mrs major wardell maun be at my heels and he resumed his perambulations as if to give the lie to his words by his actions i'm just swithering resumed he whether to quit the hoose this minute or whether to stay still and see the creeturs oot out it then as his eye in a fine frenzy rolling glance from lizzie lundy to guy mannering he added but i'll no give them the satisfaction of thinking they hae driven me away i dare say that's just what she wants so i'll stay still where i am this magnanimous resolution formed lady rossville tried to prevail upon him to return to the saloon with her to meet his relatives but in vain he declared that till dinner was on the table he would not stir from where he was and lady rossville who had too much sense to attempt to combat his prejudices openly was obliged to leave him and make the best excuse she could for his non-appearance no sooner had she left the room than mr ramsay locked and bolted the door to prevent any farther intrusion after a few glances at lizzie his ruffled pinions were smooth and he returned with unabated ardour to his studies colonel delmore and mr lindsay had both joined the party during gertrude's absence and she again felt something like shame as she marked her lover's lofty bearing towards her relations while the major seemed to grow ten times sillier and his lady twenty times more affected in their struggles to keep on par with him with lindsay it was otherwise for although his manners were not less elegant yet as they emanated from better feelings so they never oppressed others with the painful consciousness of their own inferiority and even the major and lady in his company might have become something better had not his benign influence been counteracted by the haughty port and humiliating condescension of the other but his horses had been some time announced and he set out upon his ride to millbank house 
do you know i begin to think mr lindsay really quite handsome and his manners extremely pleasing said mrs major with an air as though her approbation set the seal to him at once he sits his horse remarkably well said the major i wonder whether he ever was in the dragoons do you walk to-day lady rossville demanded colonel delmore abruptly as the expedition to bellevue was now given up gertrude answered in the affirmative and invited mrs waddell to be of the party oh you must first get my lord and master's leave for that major what would you think of my taking a walk to-day looking very archly to the rest of the company the major looked distressed why you know isabella the very last time you walked was to see lord fairacre's new pinery and you certainly caught cold for you may remember lady fairacre remarked next morning how heavy your eyes were and i think you look a little pale to-day my love there now i knew how it would be you see how completely i am under orders however i beg i mayn't prevent you from indulging your taste in a rural stroll with your beau added she in a whisper to lady rosville who ashamed and wearied of such intolerable folly rose and went to prepare for a walk at the same time in a general way inviting such of the party as chose to accompany her on returning she found the party was to consist of herself and the two gentlemen lady betty and mrs st clair like mrs waddell never walked when they could help it and miss pratt had attached herself so assiduously to the nabobus and had so much to tell and to say that contrary to her usual practice she was a fixture for the day major waddell cried mrs st clair in her most authoritative manner as they were leaving the room remember i commit lady rossville solely to your care gertrude you will be at pains to point out to major waddell the beauties of rossville and get his opinion of the improvements you have begun you see what you have brought upon yourself major by your care of me cried his lady not much delighted with this arrangement which she thought was rather interfering with her privileges lady rossville and colonel delmore were too much annoyed at this appendage to say anything the latter indeed was revolving in his own mind how to dismiss him the moment they were out of sight and the countess was hesitating whether she should do more than merely take a single turn before the house under such guardianship when as they crossed the hall mrs waddell's voice was heard loudly calling the major back and the lady herself presently appeared in great agitation now major is it possible you were really going out without your cloak when you know very well you were so hoarse this morning that i could scarcely hear what you said well for heaven's sake compose yourself my dear girl said the major in a whisper now major that is impossible unless you put on your cloak but i assure you i am much more likely to catch cold with my cloak than without it why this is almost like a day in bengal i do assure you my cloak would be quite overcoming now major well well my dear don't say any more do i beseech you compose yourself but this cloak is so confoundedly heavy do just feel it now major well no matter my dear anything to make you easy and the poor major buckled on his apparatus while the lady set up the collar clasped the brooch and drew the voluminous folds close round his person already bursting at every pore now major be sure you keep it close round you and for any sake don't open your collar do you promise but my dear bell well major i can only say well well gasped the poor major that is enough there now i feel quite comfortable said the lady as she completed her operations it is more than i too thought the major as he slowly sallied forth and caught a glimpse of lady rossville and colonel delmar who had taken advantage of this conjugal delay to make their escape so my companions have got the start of me and he footed away as fast as his short legs and ponderous cloak permitted but in vain like panting time did he toil after the fugitives whose light figures and elastic steps mocked his utmost exertions to overtake them and the provoking part of it was that while he was puffing and blowing and sawing the air with his arms without ever gaining a single step upon them 
they had the appearance of sauntering along quite at their ease and deaf to his repeated calls end of section seventy one end of volume second